0: Hello, everybody. Sorry, we're having Technical difficulties upon technical difficulties this evening. So, welcome everybody. Tonight we're talking to Issa Amro about his uh, video of a play by Einat Weissemann. I think I'm saying that right. I apologize if I'm not. And it's about how to make a revolution. And Issa lives in Hebron. And tonight he's he's having connection issues with his they have very bad infrastructure in Hebron so if he does go off then that's why we shall also be talking to uh, Natalie Strecker who went to Hebron as a UN uh, representative and he she has been in court with Issa who has been to court I think four times should we should we talk to Issa
1: Yes, please. I hear you.
0: (laughs) Hiya. Well, I'm operating on my phone. So if you see a hand go across, it's because I'm muting myself or whatever. Right. So you have um, your infrastructure there is terrible, isn't it? And you might have to go offline at any point so we want to talk about so get it in quickly as we can your your fantastic absolutely moving portrayal of one man's uh, rebellion or revolution against apartheid and could you tell us a little bit about what happened how you got involved with it please
1: uh, i'm a palestinian activist from hebron And I am uh, resisting the Israeli occupation since long time using non-violence resistance and civil disobedience. Uh, The Israeli occupation started targeting me, physically targeting me, emotionally targeting me by, you know, spreading rumors against me, smear campaigns all over. That didn't make me stop my uh, peaceful resistance against the Israeli occupation. That made the occupation arrest me, detain me, and harassed me then they take they took me to court and last year i was convicted on uh, uh, six military charges in the israeli military court and i appealed and i'm i'm, I'm waiting the appeal uh, results my work against the occupation is to uh, resist peacefully to do advocacy in the international community to talk about the israeli apartheid and separation and segregation. So Israeli occupation doesn't want us to talk uh, uh, and they don't want to have any uh, uh, voices against the occupation. So they they work hard to stop us. They want to suppress our voices and make our life harder and harder by targeting us physically and arresting us. So uh, my, my court hearing was observed by many human rights defenders, and uh, usually the military court conviction rate is more than ninety-nine.
0: Oh we're we're losing you, Issa. We lost you at 99. Ah oh. um could we could we bring in that?
2: <coughs> Hi Nat. Hey um Lizzie, hey. good evening. Hey, how are you? <laughs> oh we're always fighting technology on Aren't we? Um, and especially obviously um those in the uh in the occupied territories um suffering under Israeli apartheid. Although it looks like are you back, Issa? No, he's disappeared. Um so yeah, what Issa was talking about was um the conviction rate in the Palestinian um in the Israeli military court, which is ninety-nine point seven four percent. That's the reality. So at the moment that you are um um arrested under suspicion of anything or You know whether there's any question, whether there's evidence, it doesn't matter, it's totally irrelevant. Basically, you're convicted. Um, So I think that's what Issa was gonna talk about, but it looks like Issa might be back. So it'd be better to pass over to him to perhaps talk a little bit about that. Do you wanna give me the thumbs up, Issa, if you're able to, I don't know if Issa can hear us. You're sorry, you're muted. I'm gonna mute myself. Sorry, Lizzie, I know this is, (laughs) we don't have the same budget as mainstream media. Oh, he's disappeared again, actually. So, um, oh. no, he's back, hang on, right, let me, I'm going to pass it
1: yes. over to Isa. Yes. Hello. So, uh, yes, okay. So Israel tries to stop our uh, resistance uh, and uh, oppress our voices, not to reach the international community, community uh, using the military system. In the military system, Palestinians are not allowed to uh, their free speech we are not allowed to use non-violence resistance, and we are not allowed even to talk or complain about the human rights violations. That is the military system. I wanted me and Inat to raise that to the international community, talk to the international uh, audience and tell them about the military system, And the military court and the connection between the military court and the military system. The military court is one of the tools of the Israeli military system and the military court is not a normal court, it's not a fair trial, it's uh, uh, an occupation apartheid tool to suppress the Palestinian people. This is what we are talking about and the play is about uh, the Palestinian Authority oppression against the Palestinian people, how the Israeli occupation used the Palestinian Authority to suppress the Palestinians and to shut off their voices. So we as Palestinians, we are stuck between the Israeli occupation and the subcontractor of the Israeli occupation, the Palestinian Authority.
0: Wow. And it's off a military court that you were taken to. And I know that Nat has uh, gone with you and observed at that court a few times. and. So, so the play was written by Inat and he, he, but you play a huge part in it when you come on. It's just so absolutely brilliant of uh, an idea of how to express. It's, you know, it's just, You'd laugh, really. You'd laugh at how you're treated because surely it's comical. How could anyone treat you like that? But that, that's actually happening.
1: Yes, it's actually happening to Palestinian kids, to Palestinian women, to Palestinian families. You know, this court made the whole Palestinian society as prisoners and as people who are harassed or mistreated by the military system or the military court. So it's not only me, it's the majority of the Palestinian people facing this court to make them coexist with the occupation and give up their rights and not to work to achieve freedom, justice and equality. This court is against the international uh, court. It's um, against our uh, uh, rights as Palestinians. So we, want to say to everybody on earth that we want you to be with us to stop the Israeli occupation and to stop the Israeli apartheid. Amnesty International Human Rights Watch and uh, Beth Salem announced that Israel is an apartheid state. It's an apartheid state. I'm not equal with the Israeli settlers who are living in the same area as me. There is two sets of law in the same area. One law for the settlers and one law against me as a Palestinian uh, who is living under the occupation it's an apartheid regime we all should stop it and end this regime until Palestinians become equal as everybody on earth this is what we are calling for as Palestinians we are calling for freedom justice and equality and we want protection from the international community as human rights defenders
0: Well, first of all, the Irish uh, Parliament uh, won a motion to state that Israel was an apartheid endeavour or an apartheid state. Then the British Labour Party passed a motion at conference in September last year, October September last year, to state that uh, Israel was apartheid. And now we have the amnesty report stating that Israel is operating an apartheid state. So what would you say about, oh, we've had so much, pro- so many problems with Amnesty's um, report, so what do you know of Amnesty's report?
1: The report is, you know, telling the truth. It's fact-based report. I want everybody on earth come to palestine and see the real situation on the ground we as palestinians are stateless we don't have basic human rights we don't have free speech we don't have free uh, movement we don't have electricity this infrastructure in Hebron of internet and electricity and water is because of the israeli apartheid system the israeli settlers they have high technology they have extra water they have extra electricity and we as palestinians living under the Israeli occupation we have almost nothing not uh, not because we are not qualified to have no because the Israeli occupation controls everything on our land controls even our curriculum controls our importing exporting our goods and we are not allowed to produce they want us to stay dependent on the israeli occupation they want us to stay asking, begging for for international aid, which we don't want as Palestinians. We want to use our qualification to be, uh, you know, to participate in production and to be as everybody on earth, to build our own society, to build our own country, to build our own civil society. But Israeli occupation is not allowing you in Ireland to uh, have a free speech about if it's apartheid or not. How come? I am living under the Israeli military law, and the Israeli settler who's living few meters from my house is under the Israeli civil law. When you have two sets of law in the same area, what is that? Equality, it's an apartheid. When the Israeli settlers, they have 10 times more water than me, what is that? Equality, it's not equality, it's apartheid. So um, Amnesty described what is Palestinians suffering from, and we want, people lawyers to come out and discuss amnesty international report not to have it as a political uh, critics or emotional critics israel is an apartheid state because of its violation to the international law and because of its you know a violation of the palestinian basic human rights that is the reality it's not opinion it's a legal Decision and a legal analysis, uh, and it's a legal, uh, uh, you know, it's a, res- a result of an illegal research on the ground. And it was investigated by many lawyers and independent lawyers. So it's not my opinion, it's the opinion of Human Rights Watch, which is an American human rights organization, Amnesty International, which is you know, an international organization but based on the UK, and Israeli human rights organization. So if Israeli, American, uh, United Kingdom, European human rights organization describe Israel as an apartheid state, someone will tell me it's not an apartheid.
0: Well, yes, thank you for for that. Well, in the UK, we have always been uh, taught that um, that the Israeli Israel needed to be uh, approved during the Second World War. So if you went back before the Second World War, you would if you could visit Palestine at that time, you would see a state, a country that had brilliant infrastructure we we've seen the garden cellar, the garden seller of um i can't remember where he was where he was now i think it was in gaza the the guy that had the guy that had the garden center and it what after it was bombed out he and his son still grew their plants and just gave them away and you know this was if this happened in our country in England it would be we would we would all be up in arms we would all be you know absolutely furious at what was happening to ordinary people and you are just ordinary people aren't you so did you got how did you get involved with this play did you decide did you um decide that it you know, it would be a good opportunity to, to tell everybody what was happening.
1: I I promised myself and I promised my people to continue resisting the occupation in spite of all difficulties and obstacles and I'm ready to pay the price of my resistance. And the play is uh, an unviolent tool to expose the Israeli apartheid system, to to expose the Israeli military system, to expose the Israeli human rights violations against the Palestinian people. We will continue fighting and fighting and fighting till we get our freedom. We will not give up, but we need the people in the world to stand with us to stand with our cause, according to the international law, and according to their principles, and to according to their morals, this is what we are asking the people to do. We don't want the people to be biased with us, or uh, to be biased against us. We want the people to act according to the international law, according to their principles, and according to that morals. That's what we are asking as Palestinian people who are dreaming to have Uh, uh, you know, equality and to have justice and to have freedom and self-determination. We are people who are really human beings, who are really, you know, normal human beings want to live as everybody on earth and we don't see ourselves better than anyone else and we see that we are equal with everybody all over the world. This is what we want. We want to be part of the international community with full political and human rights political and civil human rights, civil human rights.
0: You have traveled across the world to America, to to the UK, to uh, many other countries, I believe. telling people and speaking out about this, and now we find that the Amnesty Report, I I won't mention your play in particular, but the Amnesty Report itself has met with some trouble in Germany. Do you know anything about this?
1: I know that Amnesty Report will get problems all over. There is no change without a price. It's normal. Normal reaction from many countries, but we, the people who believe in human rights and believe in political rights and believe in the international law, we should stand firm on the fact-based reports from Amnesty, from Human Rights Watch, and from uh, Betzalel. This is uh, uh, this is the time to to you know to speak loud against the Israeli apartheid. And without calling Israel as an apartheid state, nothing will change.
0: Yes, absolutely. How, how much do you find, do you think that the Israel apartheid state is uh, akin to the African apartheid state? Do you think that, do you, think that you might succeed um, quicker than Africa managed to?
1: We, the Palestinians, learned a lot from the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa. We thank all the South African uh, activists who supported our uh, free freedom and who are, uh, you know, supporting our peaceful struggle against the Israeli occupation. We think that the Israeli apartheid system is worse than the South African apartheid regime. And a lot of, uh, you know, the martial laws used in South Africa are used in Palestine. And the Israeli occupation learned a lot from the you know, the uh, apartheid regime in South Africa. And they are using the same laws, especially the administrative detention, the collective punishment, the military system. A lot of a lot of its part was imported from the colonial, you know, the British colonies from the past. So it was imported from there. And we as Palestinians, we learned a lot. We work in partnership with South Africans and many other freedom uh, activists all over the world.
0: Thank you. And can we, can we bring in Nat now? Um, can you say about the uh, the problems that um, the Amnesty Report has met in Germany from from a point of view of a, a, um, an inhabitant of Jersey? So you ha- might have a different perspective to me.
2: Um. First of all, I just want to clarify something, Lizzie, just so people don't get confused. <laughs> I didn't go with the UN. I worked alongside the UN. So I was actually a human rights um, monitor with EAPPI, um, which people can look up. But I worked alongside um, UN representatives and actually other representatives from other human rights groups um, and you know the EU and stuff like that that work there. That's one of the... Um, we had like regular meetings. So I just want to sort of clarify that. Um, Yeah, I mean, what I would say is, in terms of what's happening in Germany, it's interesting because you've had obviously resist had Ronnie Barkin, um, a friend of mine, an Israeli dissident on um, just a, a couple of weeks ago. And he always said to me that because that's why he moved to Berlin um, was because of Germany's response, um, you know, to uh, Israeli apartheid. And he said it's the last bastion of Zionism. It's the last place where there is no space to even question it. And obviously, um there's a lot of reason for this. You know, unfortunately, as Ali Abumina, um nemar said um, of Electronic Intervada, Palestinians are paying the price of Germans' guilty conscience for, you know, for their, obviously, um, history of... You know attempting to exterminate the Jewish uh, population and um, you know, European population obviously, along with the Roma, Gypsy, and Sinti um, communities.
0: What, what strikes me about that is that uh, the amount of um, people, people, Jewish people who were fleeing from Germany and those countries at that time, um, the, the country of Israel, let's call the Zionists, would not would not help them if they went to any other country
2: yeah i mean you know there's i mean that's part of what you know if you look into the the history you know i mean um i can't remember the name of it now i think it's a havara havara agreement i love it. i'm not very good at remembering names at the best of times but yeah if you look into that um, we know that a lot of the rhetoric around the, you know, sort of the Zionist movement at that time was that, well, if some Jewish, you know, some European Jews need to die so that we get our state, then then that's fine, you know. Yeah. Um, so and and this and I think this is really important for people to learn the history, you know, that the Zionism to exist needs anti-Semitism, and that's the uncomfortable truth, which is horrendous because you know, when you consider it in in that context, it makes Zionism, you know, explicitly anti-Semitic. Um, and that's where you get this ethnic supremacy and all the rest of it. And sort of going on to what um, Issa was saying about South African apartheid, which I think, if I'm correct, started actually at a very similar time to um, Israeli apartheid. Um, mm-hmm. But it's quite right that they used, um, you know, the same measures. And actually Desmond Tutu said, I think it was Desmond Tutu that said, obviously, what he witnessed of Palestinian suffering is even worse than what, you know, the the black South African community were facing um, during their apartheid. Yeah,
0: Nelson Mandela would always say, without the freedom of the Palestinians, we have no freedom.
2: Absolutely. And, and I think that's true. If we're not, you know, unless all of us are free, we're not free. Um, but it's important to actually bear in mm-hmm. mind that Israel continue to arm and support um South African apartheid right up to the end. Um so sort of returning to the amnesty situation um in Germany. So what happened was they had posted the report and then immediately you know they must have had I don't know a phone call but for whatever reason they immediately um took it off their um website they are if you go and you search for it you will find a link and it will take you to the international um site which is really interesting but I think it's important to um this is um, an article, that a uh, 972 mag, which are really good um, if you're looking at the um, situation. But um, this is what uh, the German um, amnesty written when they talked about the, obviously, the reports, which basically they, they've been silent on. It said the systematic extermination of Jewish people was planned and implemented in Germany. Anti-Semitism in Germany, violence, attacks, property damage and conspiracy ideologies is still present and at a disturbing high, which is true. Um, This places a special responsibility upon the German section of amnesty. In the current and historical national context, an objective fact-based debate um, on the classification made by the report is difficult. To counteract the danger of instrumentalization or misinterpretation of the report, the German section of amnesty will not plan or carry out any activities in relation to this report. And that's deeply concerning because actually, um, if you, for, if we consider what they're actually saying, they're actually implicitly, um, not implicitly, I'd say explicitly, um, connecting the Jewish people to Israel, which in itself is anti-Semitic and actually in violation of the IHRA. Um, but if you look, it says that they can't have a fact-based um, fact-based debate on it. Well, as Issa was talking about before, this report isn't just people's opinions. This huh. report is well evidenced. It's followed a legal structure, just like other reports have. And it really is quite infuriating when we have a situation where Palestinians have been saying for how many years that they're suffering under apartheid, but the West won't accept this until you know basically white Europeans write a report that confirms this. You know, obviously you had Israeli um, human rights groups who were actually the first to sort of you know state that Israel was guilty of crime of apartheid of and and Yeshdin, and then. Um, Obviously, last year we had Human Rights Watch. I think it was last, yeah, last year. And then, obviously, most recently Amnesty, which is huge. It's a significant moment when Amnesty's released its report. But its report is based on, you know, scientific, provable evidence. It's not, you know, they've and and what is interesting as well in terms of looking at the report, they don't just deal with sixty-seven or anything. They go right back to the the roots of when Israel was constructed. And I think that's, I mean, it's very true. Um, you know, all the evidence demonstrates that if you look at the rhetoric of Ben-Gurion before, you know, Israel, you know, modern day Israel was created, it was very clear what their intention was. And actually, if you go back to Theodore Herzl, that, you know, the movement, you know, in the um, 19th century. Um, and I think that when you when you sort of recognise that fact, that is that is significant um, that they've acknowledged that that Israel... As some of us are saying, and you know, you've heard me say this many times, that Israel, you know, is a racist endeavour and was from its inception, you know, because the proof was always there. It was built on the backs of, you know, of massacres, broken bodies and the erasure, you know, total raising of over 500 villages. What do you think
0: about the fact that it's, it scares me? That uh, the the influence that Israel has over all of our governments, all of our politics, all of our even down to small little things like um, the 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 complete destruction of Jeremy Corbyn and the whole socialist project in Britain, Um, the fact that they that that someone has managed to shut Germany down from uh, on on an amnesty report they've they've almost managed to silence amnesty and i know people are fighting back um but you know does it scare you that
2: the, the reach that they have i mean i, I think what i would say is the, the reason why israel and it's important to kind of get you know sort of look at this in a balanced way the reason why israel gets to do what it does is because of america if america decided that israel was no longer its ally for whatever um you know reasons they that they political expedient yeah to 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 do so they they you know they would drop israel like a ton of bricks so this is about you know the influence comes from the fact that they are backed you know you know literally funded and armed by america so um of course it's concerning when we have situations when you know I mean, obviously, you know, I, I did my presentation. I, I um, Gaz kindly helped me uh, record my presentation from the Resist, um, the Festival of Resistance, um, and it's one of the things that I talk about. You know, is why, how, you know, why are they able to get away with this? And yes, it is undermining our democracy. It's absolutely terrifying. Um, but the reason why is because you know you have special interest groups that are aligned with the wider um interests of the ruling classes you know and and certainly the west to maintain that hegemony to maintain control of resources to have a presence you know in the middle east when you think about oil and and all the rest of it and, and because of where you know where it exists you know in terms of uh, geographically so i think that um this is where all these things meet. So I think that the reason why they get away with what they're doing is because of all those things aligning with this wider um, desire by, you know, the 1%, but particularly, you know, the Western 1%, you know, although I don't know if it'd be any different if, you know, if Russia and China were were more in control, I don't know, I, I doubt it. Um, but I think that, yeah, because it aligns with that, that's how they're able to have so much influence. If you look at Jeremy Corbyn, you know, obviously they used a number of things. They tried to say he was a terrorist, an IRA sympathizer, you know, um, and all these other things. But the thing that stuck was anti-Semitism, And it is, part of it is because of um, European guilt, part of it is because the lobby is very strong. And a reason why the lobby is very strong is because, um, because we know that you don't have to be Jewish to be Zionist. And we also know that a lot of Zionists, you know, don't identify, um, sorry, a lot of Jews don't identify as Zionist. And actually some would be, you know, see it as offensive and are actually, you know, strongly anti-Zionist. But you have like, so if you look at America, for instance you know you have the you know the evangelical churches who have a huge amount of weight and influence and a lot a lot of money um, so they're able to obviously support that sort of movement and I think you you have similar um, in the UK not to the same extent as America but we know basically where you know the our government is the US's lapdog we do whatever it is that you know our government does whatever it is that they want to they want us to do and i think a lot of it comes down to that so i am frightened Um, But I think it's important to recognize all the other things that it's connected to. So although it is about Israel in this context, it's not explicit, you know, it's not exclusively rather about Israel, but rather a general maintenance of the status quo. So I went off a little bit there, but (laughs) hopefully you got the point.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, the thing is that so many people will be propagandized by the mainstream media. And I think that uh, I was absolutely moved by Issa's play or Einat's play um, which you know just the way that it brought across the absolute lunacy of this offer court uh, military court so is Issa still there are you still there Issa yeah
2: I think Paul Issa was doing so well struggling with his with his not feeling very well in his voice and and yeah, also having to deal with the infrastructure, you know, the failure well, of infrastructure because
0: of the you are able to listen. Is uh we thank you so much for for all your input. You know, I met you at the uh resist event in Brighton last year, and you know what you said was just so inspiring. And you know, you just people are just ordinary people and they're being subjugated and persecuted murdered um and you know locked up for absolutely no reason and they have absolutely no defense against it Uh, Issa was able to come over to london to help with the recording of that play and you also managed to come over from jersey to london to to help or, or to, to, to take part in the play in some way so can you tell us about um you know what what it hoped to achieve and yes. everybody knows the link is in the youtube uh blurb and uh you know please watch it and share it it's absolutely moving
2: yeah, no, it's, a, it's a fantastic play, and and I would um, I mean, obviously, I was tasked with being um the fundraiser and also promotion, and also I sort of gave some um kind of support. Um, and that's why I, I was there for the filming, which was amazing and such a privilege to be part of that. Um, and I think I mean, the intention, obviously, was to show an aspect of apartheid, which is, you know, watching the Palestinians having to go through the sham courts, the kangaroo court that the, is the Israeli military court. So it just shows you one aspect of how apartheid translates into reality for Palestinians you know I mean looking at, you know obviously it focused on the case of Issa but he was talking about all the different groups that go into you know that end up um, having to suffer in the way that he did you know he talked about women but also children and something's really important to understand is that Israel is the only state in the world that systematically um, incarcerates children. Um, yeah. you know there's the um um no way to treat a child campaign if you look at defense for children in international palestine you'll see lots of reports about what happens to children and quite often i speak about that if you look at it in the context of the un convention on the rights of the child which obviously israel ratified and yet says it doesn't apply to palestinians which yeah. is you know racist in itself um yeah. But in that, um, in terms of of the intention of the play, which, by the way, in that I did speak to her. She wasn't obviously able to join us this evening. She says that she's hoping this isn't in the end of it. It's part of a wider project. So she does want to um, stage the, the play um, in theatres in the UK. And what she hopes to do is build upon it. So this one focused on the case of obviously Issa. Um, and there's lots of stuff I always encourage people to look up if they want to know what Issa, you know, the, what Issa had to face. Um, and the sham, you know, court, the trial and the rest of it, obviously watch you know, watch the play. It's fantastic because that is it, it includes real documentation from from um, that trial. Um, but there's lots of resources you can find online. And actually Amnesty, obviously, ISA was the subject of an Amnesty campaign. Um, and I wrote an article on Medium about um, what was happening with ISA, And I went to offer court. I went twice. Actually, I went um, the first time I went with human um, a military court watch, um, which was just horrendous. I mean, you turn up. Um, at the military court and it's like you expect when you're going into a court that it will be i suppose like a um an imposing building that's very smart and wooden that's how i imagine courts to be but when you turn up off a military court um you know aside from all the indignities that Palestinians face having to go through into it and they're not allowed to take any food or drink and they can be waiting for hours but you're literally talking about porter cabins they're just sheds you know really and you go in and like the first time I went in, I actually had to leave um, halfway through for a little bit because I got into such a state because it was so demeaning and you it was just horrendous. I, I can't even really articulate what it was like to witness, um, you know, the trial and what would happen. Um, all shackled, wearing like these brown sort of outfits like trousers and and tops. Um, Their families, if they've been able to make it, are sitting at the back. And you have this situation where, you know, the judge who's got his feet crossed up on, and bearing in mind the judge is also a military officer, has got his feet crossed up on the desk. You have like, you know, if they're lucky enough to have a lawyer, the lawyers obviously sort of maybe gets to speak a little bit, and then you know a lot of the time there isn't a translator. So the lawyers trying to explain to the Palestinians who were on trial what what it is that's happening at that point in time. Yeah, and then they shout over each other.
0: And can we just mention that the fact that there are two different languages used?
2: Yeah so yeah so they and and that's the thing is even in the whole process you know often especially like if you look at palestinian child prisoners but that's true of any group but they're forced to sign confessions in a language that they don't understand and the trial takes place in hebrew which of course is most palestinians do not speak you know they might do if they if they're you know a citizen of israel but they don't certainly in general don't speak um they speak arabic. yeah they speak arabic you know sorry not palestinian <laughs> but yeah um and i think i mean uh, when I was there, one of the horrendous things was one of the individuals whose case got adjourned, um, although he wasn't allowed to, you know, they're still held in, in custody, one of the witnesses that was called, um, whose testimony was being used, it turns out wasn't even in the village at the time where he was apparently accused of having thrown three stones. And he wasn't even in the in the village at the time. And and, and this is the, the nonsense that takes place. When I went back to um um see obviously i went back a couple of weeks later with ESA, to support isa um offer again i mean it was slightly different in that because obviously isa is is pretty high profile as an activist um he's well known and well respected he's obviously the only un formally recognized human rights defender in palestine um and he um he was lucky enough to have a good lawyer So he had Gabby lasky who's who's amazing um and he had diplomats so it was slightly better um, in terms of people weren't shouting as much. But it, was, it continued to be exactly the same. You know, if you watch the play, it'll actually show the footage from the, you know, um, of the events that the trial refers to. And the footage shows that what they're saying is total nonsense. It's just lies. Well, we did. Did we have a clip, Gaz?
0: um I'm, okay okay yeah. but so we, we don't have a clip of it but it's just um oh now i can see gaz gaz's thing but not nat Nat, if you oh, want to say I'm something here. so that you come back on screen <laughs> oh yeah no I'm still here. Hopefully, you can see me. There we go. Yes. So sorry, everybody who's watching, about the technical difficulties that we're having. But I suspect that we're having technical difficulties. We never have any technical difficulties until we're talking on this subject. How strange is that? You know, Unfortunately, um, we don't
2: have the funding. You see, our, our technology would be fantastic if we were funded by the by the one percent and doing their, their bidding. This is what happens. We're, but we're proper grassroots. This is how we build our resilience, Lizzie. And I think it's important as well for viewers to bear that in mind.
0: Well, it's it's very it's very nice of you to to think that there is no one playing behind the scenes at making sure that we have technical difficulties, Nat. <laughs> You know, it's nice of you to to be so kind in your in your thoughts. So um, what was so emotive for me um, about the play was that this was one man's story. And yes, perhaps it would have been even more emotive if it was a woman's story or a child's story. But regardless of whose story it was, it was one person's story and if everybody who watches this play can imagine if they had to go into court in the UK, how they would be treated, how they would be facilitated, they would be provided with a lawyer, they would be made aware of their, uh, of their uh, uh, you know, of their uh, uh, rights, they would be made aware of, of the charges against them, they would be able to refute those charges, they would be able to plead guilty or not guilty, and they would be able to, I know it's very difficult actually, you almost have to prove your innocence now, rather than the, the, the opposition trying to prove you're guilty. <coughs> but even so, can you imagine um, as going into a court in the UK, and you're being
2: treated like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really difficult to make sense of. And I think that's the thing I found so upsetting. Like I said, I needed to, to leave. I mean, obviously, our court system will know saying that if the Tories and, you know, Reds, red Tories have their way um then it we will be in a very similar situation possibly um where we'll you know because the court system is is supposed to be set up where the burden of proof is actually with the, with the prosecutor you know that they have to prove their case beyond reasonable doubt um but that's not the situation where you're no. guilty until proven innocent which is the situation that you have obviously in the Palestinian um in full Palestinians in in the Australian military court where you're you're guilty i mean you know the fact that obviously isa had a you know wasn't convicted of all of the charges it was six of the 18 um and uh, it, the fact that that was the case and he wasn't convicted for all 18 is is incredible you know yeah. um, which just demonstrates and and part of that i would say is because you know when isa was saying we we um we keep fighting we keep using our voices you know we make the um apartheid you know you're uh, pay the occupation, it come with a cost. And I think a lot of that is because it, we really campaigned hard, I, I'm sure I think that you took part, and yeah, I, I know you did, um, in the Twitter storms we had, and we got it trending. And we know that that, that influenced the outcome to some degree, because it was um, highlighted in in the trial itself, is that they were aware of this Twitter storm, which I suppose sometimes when we feel we watch stuff and feel like, um, there's nothing that we can do. We feel powerless. But, you know, little things like that prove that that isn't the case. We've just got to keep, you know, show that and, simmer, that endurance, really.
0: And thank you for introducing the last quarter of what I wanted to speak about. I apologise, first of all, to the audience. Neither Nat nor I or Gaz, uh, our producer, have access to the chats. So um, I'm afraid your questions will go unanswered. And we really apologise for that. But We want to tell you what you can do. Keep speaking up. Um, Yes, they're going to throw you out of the Labour Party. Sorry. But is that any great loss at the moment? No. So wear it as a badge of pride, in fact. Take part in Twitter storms and keep sharing the videos, the appalling treatment. A, A child going, trying to go to school. His school is only 500 yards away but he has to pass through three military checkpoints. How sad is it that our children would not recognize a soldier, but children in Palestine know exactly what a soldier looks like, and they know to be very scared indeed if one comes up to them, because, you know, it's not going to be good. So what else can we do? You can can write to your MPs, email your MPs, because even though they may not respond, especially if they're red, uh, red Tories or blue Tories, they, they probably won't respond at all to you, but they have a legal obligation to note that you, a constituent, have, have corresponded with them. So if enough of us do it, regardless of the fact that we don't hear and we're belittled or, or ignored, it, first of all, what's the saying? First, you're ignored, then you laughed support. at. Yeah, then, then you're fly, at, and then you win. Then you win. <laughs> so, um, what about going to Palestine? Uh, I know I noted Issa said that. Please yes. come. So, think, yeah, how easy so. is it to get a visa? how easy is it to visit um is there a, a way to visit on a holiday trip you know i mean ordinarily we'd go to the south france or oh, spain wherever wherever jersey <laughs> and um we would we would make our arrangements to stay at a hotel or we would book a complete package how can you do that can you do that and what does it cost do you know these things
2: yeah I mean I would say yeah absolutely and like Issa said I and it's something I said when I came back um obviously I've been a couple of times um but the second time um as a human rights monitor so I was obviously there living in the community um but I can't stress enough how important it is to go and visit if you can if you have the circumstances we know that isn't true of everybody and it doesn't mean that you can't support and can't be very aware of what happening unless you go because actually the great thing about social media now is we do get to learn all these things that's what technology when it works well (laughs) that's that's what you know we we can find out about stuff and actually often when it's when it's happening um so i would encourage people to visit you can in fact easyJet do flights um to um, Israel. So you can go, uh, we've got two options really, Um, either via Ben Gurion, which means you go um, obviously into Israel. Um, I mean, neither way you've got to go through is um, Israeli security. Um, Otherwise, you can go to Jordan, and then go over the Allenby Bridge. So there are two ways, but EasyJet do good flights. And what I would say is there's lots of really good tours that you can go with. So there's green olive tours. And I would say to people, if you're looking at going, by all means, you can always contact me um or (laughs) isa um a lot of you should know obviously i'm on twitter you can just look me up natalie streck i think it my um handle is at natalie streck s-t-r-e-c-k-e i think it is one or something like that um So I'm very happy for people to ask me. But you do have green olive tours. Um, There are others um, that you can go with. There are different tours that you can do. Um, Youth Against Settlements is always happy to accommodate people there. You need to remember that when you are going to such places like that, you're talking about basics. You know, don't think you're going into some. (laughs) You know, five star resort because that's not going to be the case. All so. you can eat buffet. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, but that's the nature of apartheid, isn't it? You know, this is the thing. But there's some fantastic, like in Ramallah, there is Area D um, hostel, which is amazing. Um, there is, uh, in fact, Ramallah. I think it's called Ramallah hostel. Um, but there's um H. I think it's H one or H two hostel in Hebron. Um, where you can stay. And, and there's lots of ways that you can do it. Um, and actually, you know what, there's a really good um, series you can watch. And there's a focus on one of their episodes on Palestine. And it's called um, DIY Destinations. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's um, a Korean guy um and he goes to Palestine because I remember what it was Mikko Peled that said oh you need to watch this so I did and I was like oh that's my friend and this is I went there and stuff um, but he gives some really good advice on how to travel to um in the Palestinian territories um on the budget and how to do it ethically as well and I think that's the most important thing is to be very mindful when you go because I've had um associates over here who have gone since I went and basically didn't speak to me um, before they went. And unfortunately, they made decisions that meant they were putting money into Israeli apartheid. And I know that that wouldn't have been a deliberate decision. But I think that you need to be really savvy about this. So if you're going there, it's important to do it in such a way that you're not helping to perpetuate apartheid and rather to support the Palestinians. And what I would also say, just some travel tips, is, um, Absolutely support the um, Palestinians in East Jerusalem who are having a horrendous um, time, obviously, at this moment. Um, But also keep some money for when you get to Hebron because a lot of people forget that. And I would say, please, please, please go to Hebron because I think it's one of the within um, the occupied Palestinian territories, if we um, sort of not consider Gaza, because that's a lot harder, obviously, to get into. But it's where it, you can see very clearly in a matter of seconds the apartheid nature of Israel. I think it's a microcosm of the whole situation there. Um, but actually also stuff a lot cheaper there. So I'd say spread out your money support the Palestinians in East Jerusalem, definitely spend some money in, um, you know, Bethlehem where the uh, Palestinian Christians are that quite often get um, forgotten and make sure you save some money for when you get to Hebron. And also it stops people from telling you off. I used to get told off when people used to turn up with no money and they'd be asking me why they didn't have any money to buy their stuff. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Is it, it, are you risking your life? No, no. Now, this is where we can use our European privilege, um, yeah. you know, in, in a very positive way. Um, the reality is, you know, if you look at the number of Europeans that have been killed, you know, over the years, I think it's three that I can think of, you know, Rachel Corey, um, Tom Hearnsill, of course, um, and uh, Vic, and I can't remember his name, the Italian guy, nah, obviously that, that wasn't by Israel. So I would say it's very, very safe. Um, you know, because Israel know it's still not in their interest to start killing settlers you have to be careful of, um, because they don't care.
0: <laughs> well, this is it. This is what we see. We see the I, I saw a video uh, a few weeks ago, perhaps a month ago, of um, Israeli young people. They were almost children. Um, And they were swearing and shouting death to the Arabs and, you know, we will kill you all and you are worse than worse than scum. And they were very threatening, very aggressive. And I, I was wondering, you know, I wouldn't like because I would make it would be clear that I was going to visit Palestine and it would be clear what I thought of Israel apartheid. So would they attack me for that? And would I not be able to reach certain places? Obviously, I wouldn't be able to reach Gaza because, because of the is,
2: the nature of the Israel apartheid state. And the blockade, yeah. I, I mean, I would say to you, first of all, don't go in. And, and this is really important. If you're going to fly you know, into Ben Gurion, and actually doesn't matter if you're going to go through Israeli security... Then obviously, one, you need to be looking at your social media posting because they will look you up. Um, so just be smart, you know, about preparing that you, you don't go in saying I'm going into the West Bank because they're not, they'll just deport you. Um, so it's really important to do that. So, you know, have some plans. I would organize to stay an overnight somewhere that's not going to be questioned um in uh, you know, um Tel Aviv and then go down to Jerusalem and that's where you can sort of access the West Bank um but no I, I you can get to the sites fine I mean I think what I would say is when there's lots of settlers around because the soldiers the settlers are where you have are the ones you really need to be careful of um because they don't care whether you know if they think you're there supporting Palestinians but there are always soldiers around and the soldiers aren't going to let a settler kill you. The only time where you see people getting injured and that happens a lot is when people are giving protective presents uh, like um, the olive harvest and stuff like that. That's when you will see... Um, <laughs> where settlers succeed in attacking individuals including lots of Israelis because we know obviously a lot of Israelis go in and support the yeah. Palestinians as well and we shouldn't forget them in this struggle. Um, so I think that it's important to keep that in mind but no you'll be absolutely fine. I mean it's different. I mean, myself and all of my team got attacked, physically attacked in Hebron um, by for me by Annette Cohen, um, who you can find YouTube videos of and also of Hannah, I can't remember his name, um, just Offa. That's it. Offa Hannah, I think his surname is. Um, he was just vile real bully, um, I mean he didn't, he wasn't as you know aggressive to us in the same way, I mean he sort of physically pushed and knocked the phone out my hand and stuff like that, I've got video footage of that when I did my um, podcast already. Eddie, um, but he wouldn't attack you in the same way that he would a Palestinian where he's beaten them to a pulp supported yeah. by soldiers, so I, I think that you will be absolutely fine, you might see some stuff which is difficult but this is the reality apartheid and we can't, we need to come to terms with what that means, because from that you find your fight and your anger and, you know, that need to to struggle, you know, when you're saying, what are the things that we can do? Well, let's yeah. have a look at some of the wins, you know, obviously BDS and, and the rest of it, and we can write to MPs, but don't rely on them. Let's have a look at direct action. I mean, look at Palestine action, they managed to get Oldham, you know, the Elbit in Oldham to shut down, you know, got, yeah. we need to look at our history, and look at the history of different movements and realise there's lots of power that we have. We've just got to remember that we have it and we've got to find the courage. And like I, you know, I often say, we don't surrender to Israeli apartheid. We don't cower to them. We don't take on board, you know, the accusations they make about anti-Semitism. Just ignore it, forget it. It's got nothing to do with anti-Semitism. Just get back to the thing. This is about demanding the implementation of international law. That's what we're demanding, is for the palestinians to be you know free equal and to have justice there is nothing racist about that anyone suggesting there is are inherently racist themselves so it is about finding our courage and recognizing like i always say yes labels hurt yes they're not very uh, very nice but let's get a bit of perspective you know go palestine yeah. see what's happening and then maybe it will help you with that perspective <laughs>
0: yeah Right but I don't know can can you see if we got Issa back or
2: no he's still not there unfortunately yeah
0: well i i'm i'm not surprised he was having problems beforehand and he is very limited in his uh infrastructure and in the technical stuff much as we're we're <sighs> just living at large really aren't we you know we think oh god the laptop won't won't connect to StreamYard but actually we've got internet we've got electricity we've got food we've got water so we are 185 percent better off than anyone living in the occupied territories so watch the play watch the video share it with everybody you know write to your mp email your mp talk to everybody go and visit palestine if you're able to i'm not sure that it's a family holiday destination don't perhaps if you've got children then perhaps you can't contribute in that way um shut Elbit down shout out about all the israeli development of, and whatever saudi arabia whoever they're selling the weapons to all weapons manufacturers must be closed down in the uk and
2: we can do it and communities can do it what else Nat? um well like i said bdf i know we're running out of time so yeah um bds and and actually tell you what I, you know just keep using our voices and also our buying power so don't buy anything that we know like caterpillar and you know when you look at the stuff like that there's lots of things that we can do but i would say we don't give in we demonstrate yeah. our summit and actually do you know who's been fantastic in responding to um the uh accusations of anti-semitism it's actually the general secretary of amnesty agnes and Calamard. absolutely amazing she has held her grounds you know and even when she's been threatened by the us who are um, condemning the reports and, and, and threatening sort of legal stuff. She's going, I dare you. You take yeah. us. Let's we, take us to. You know. That's let's look thing. at this through the legal framework. You know.
0: Every, and that's what we everybody do. who's on Twitter, on Instagram, follow these people. Sorry, we've run out of time. And from Issa, thank <laughs> you so much. And from Nat, thank you so much. And from myself and all of us at Resist. Bye bye, everybody. Bye bye.